you know, I've heard people talk about how that era of psychopathic was kind of like the Universal Monster Movies era where like they'd have, here's Black Creature from Black Lagoon, here's Frankenstein, like creating these backstories of these characters that they knew were going to have longevity. To make that work, it, it sounds like they didn't want some like jaded hipster person being like, oh, well, this isn't Chuck D 1987 hip hop. This isn't legit. Like being able to go with them to help build these stories. Do you mm -hmm. feel like, like that metaphor is apt? And what's it like being with like these really big personalities? Yo, it's Hatchet Chat with flares and snacks. You juggalo homies talking hatchet tracks. There's hatchet beats and hatchet raps. The whole catalog's packed full of classic gems. And we talk about them all well, on Hatchet, hatchet Chat. Chat. Whoop, whoop. Friends, welcome to Hatchet Chat. We've got Kuma. I linked with this cool dude at the gathering and uh, he, he edited and directed the Cypher video, but most importantly, he's a professional musician. Kuma, what's it like being a professional musician in the Detroit area now? And is it still possible to make your living as an artist? It's possible. I think anywhere you're a professional artist is a grind in America. <laughs> um, but yeah, Detroit's awesome. Uh, I love this place. I've loved it since I was born here. Um, people come here now, they're like blown away at the transformation of the city. Like it's just completely different and built up. I mean, yeah, you, you there's still some bad apples and there's some crazy shit that happens. It's just Detroit, Detroit being Detroit, but it is really cool for like restaurants and nightlife and it's just, it's awesome. It's a great place. We want to know about your life story. We want to know about your work. We want to know what, what drives you to make those classic tracks and how you got involved in the subculture. And also maybe we could talk a little about some of your other work, but if that's what's up, we can jump into it. Yeah, man. You know, like I said, we want to get to know you a bit more. You've always kind of kept a low profile and lately you've been doing a few more interviews and uh, letting the juggalos inside your world a little bit more. Is there anything that kind of prompted this change for you to be, uh, you know, seen in the public sphere a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what prompted me to be more into the public sphere of the music industry was Violent J. <laughs> <laughs> he's like always pushing for me he's always got my back um personally like when it comes to icp i've always wanted to kind of stay behind the scenes and let my music and let icp's music be uh at the forefront <clears throat> i never wanted to put myself ahead of the band um but i think the relationship with the guys over the course of knowing them for 15 almost 20 plus years um, has like evolved in a sense where we're brothers and uh, you know, it's more than just a working relationship. We're really truly family and uh, they've given me a lot of opportunities. I mean, dude, this house, this is the house the Juggalos built you know, in some ways and, Hell yeah. and, and ICP and uh, it's, it's a small little ranch by the way, but it's still mine. That's you dope, know? Man. So, so it's like, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, Joe pushing me <clears throat> to be more in the forefront. But you know, when it comes to anything that he wants, like I try to, 
help him out as much as possible. Like the talk show, I said no, basically at first. <laughs> no way. Then, yeah, of course. I mean, like, I didn't know if I could carry a conversation, but they carried me, you know, if, if you watch it, they're definitely, you know, carrying the interview because they're, they're, that's what they do. They're entertainers, but I've learned a thing or two watching them and, and learning and, and growing as a, I guess, an entertainer in some way from a musician or from a producer to an entertainer and like everything that I've, they've taught me. And, uh, for example, like when you asked me this question, I paraphrase the question to you. Well, I learned that from Violet J, you know, so there's one thing, nice. right? It's just that growth. It's be, you have to be more than just someone behind the computer. You have to be somewhat of a personality as a musician these days, but I still don't want to, I guess, ever put myself too much over the music. I think the music's the most important thing to me. That's a very humble, interesting perspective that I think comes up a lot on this show, but people have, I've never heard it said like that. The idea that the music comes first and the culture surrounding the music kind of is very organic and it's based on the hard work and like the dedication to the craft. And that as soon as you're like, I'm bigger than this, I'm better than this, I'm out. That's when things tend to go wrong, I think, for indie artists. Like, would you agree? Is, is, is that me interpreting you right? Or No, yeah. it's... I. You're definitely interpreting me correctly. I think the music comes first because even for Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope, they know that at the end of the day, they're just two guys, but the music creates a lore and creates a, a legend and a tale that you can go down rabbit holes that people can find hidden meanings or other ways of interpreting this stuff. And even they know that. So I think it really does come down to putting the music first and everything else will follow and not giving up. That's the other thing, right? Like it, if, if you let the music come first, that's going to drive you more than like, if you let your, your conception of fame, your idea of what, how many followers you should have. Like it's all about quality at the beginning. And that's, what's interesting about you, dude. Cause it's always like seeing your credits on records and being like, Oh, who is this guy? It was mm -hmm. organic. It was earned. The credibility was earned and learning that you have like roots and other, other, for, other music genres shows that like, yeah, you're coming at this from a unique perspective. For sure, dude. Like Lara said, you're kind of a, you walk amongst many worlds and we did notice you had a 2015, hey. uh, Oh snap. Who's and, that guy? And a dog lover. <laughs> and, a puppy. and a dog lover. <laughs> This is the that, first dog cameo we ever had on the show. Yes, it is. <laughs> dog beats. Hell yeah. Hi, Bello. That, I'm sorry, I'm, that, yeah, dude. Keep going. Keep going. No, I like dude, that's, I got distracted by the, the, the adorable he's good, dog. He's a good boy. Um, but yeah, we, so we were trying to scour the internet going through, you know, referencing your old interviews and stuff like that, which there aren't many. There's a few more now. But you did do one in... Uh, uh, 2015 on Fago Lovers. Yes. And you mentioned there that video game music was a huge influence. So do you have a favorite video game soundtrack? There's so many. Um, can I name a few? Yeah, absolutely. Name as many as you want. Obviously, like Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VI, which was two here, seven, Super Metroid, uh, Hollow Knight, which is a newer game. Yep. Tunic, which is a newer game, incredible mm -hmm. soundtrack. Um, oh man, Monkey Island, 
That's one. That's I mean, that's, that's a one you don't hear very often. Yeah, Monkey Island. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> it's just very like piratey, but the music's incredible. Uh, uh, and of course, like Zelda, Super Mario. I mean, there's so many. I'm forgetting stuff. Like I'm forgetting stuff from the Genesis, like Streets of Rage, and uh, there's so many. There's so many good. Even the new Streets of Rage is great. Even like the new Turtles. The new ter- Shredder's Revenge. Yes, I played through that like a month ago or so, and the soundtrack was blowing my mind. Yeah, dude, it's so good. It sounds like straight from the fucking nineties. So, so you're a game. You're a pretty big gamer to like oh, yeah. name all those. Um, has gaming helped you with your production chops? You think? Absolutely. I think it really gaming has really helped me with my anxiety. <laughs> like as a performer and a musician, I think like. And, and working like it's like a stress reliever and it's it's just like getting lost and not thinking about anything and fo- like hyper focusing in on that game um definitely okay so there's a thread here that that video games can be meditation um music is a way to like express things that are hard to express in different ways and that like these imaginary worlds that we create and the subcultures that connect us are bigger than, you know, than than platinum records and bigger than um, than like all what people what people perceive as like success in the music industry, like being able to connect worlds together in a way that like biologically grounds us. These are the things that make music lasting and make make great art and make great artists. I think, right? Like if you're able to know, oh, I need to be calm. This game will calm me down, or like. Things like that. That's something that I think about a lot, right? Because we're here a temporary time, but I feel like the energy we create exists beyond us. Yeah, definitely. Because music and entertainment, it lives on forever. Even if you're not here, like you still see Michael Jackson. You you still see Prince and people still buy these records and you still leave a lasting impression. Someday I won't be here, but my music will be here. And same with the people that, I'm involved with and uh i think i think that's very important to leave somewhat of a legacy and i love the idea of having little uh like easter eggs in my music and easter eggs in my music videos i've done for the guys and my personal stuff and uh i love the sense of lore and legend and stuff like that so you'll see more of that in the future that's okay exciting. that's cool so that so without revealing too much about what's going on, like, are there any Easter eggs that we maybe missed or is the point that like, you don't have to tell us them? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, someone actually did discover one of the Easter eggs from the music video, uh, Jesus Christ, oh, the satellite music video. I couldn't remember in the video. Oh yeah? There is a sat, there's a music, there's a Easter egg in the end of that video and someone on my Twitch discovered it because I, I had asked about, <clears throat> when I put the music video out, I just nonchalantly asked um, if you could find me in the video, and someone did. So that was cool. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so somebody followed up on it on their own. So there's one. There's one little okay. tip. So you guys can might be able to find that. Hell yeah. Well, Juggalos, get on that. Help us find that flavor. Okay, this is a hard question. Is there a favorite track or album project you've worked on for the psychopathic realm? Uh, there's a couple. <clears throat> I really liked working with um, Dark Lotus a lot. 
Uh, the Opaque Brotherhood was a good album. I really, so really enjoyed working on the uh, the last one, the Mud, Air, Blood, Wind, Fire, Earth, Captain, <laughs> Dude, Pla- Captain we Planet. We never get that title right. We both love that album, but <laughs> we can't get it in, in order son of a bitch it's like manny saying uh shaggy's new ep dave i don't know if you're watching shaggy's twitch but he always every episode he gets <laughs> manny <laughs> shout out manny to say the title of uh shaggy's upcoming ep it's like super long uh, shaggy tudo presents professor shags and the quest for the ultimate groove i think but anyway that's that like album. trying to say that, that dark lotus that. album yeah, I love that Joey's going like uh, old school. I love that he do- he loves that shit. It's great. Um, no doubt, man. Yeah, so I really like that Dark Lotus record. Uh, those two that I was um, doing production and mixing and stuff. And then um, I loved working with Killa for uh, Medicine Bag. Hell then, yeah. Um, for ICP. Uh I think the Tempest was one of my favorite things we worked on because we had a really fun team in the studio and we came, we crafted some cool shit. And I think like if I was a serial killer, it was like one of those legendary ICP songs that <laughs> will live on. But yes. I don't know, man. There's so many great songs that I was involved with, like Night of the Chainsaw and fucking Bazooka Joey. Dude, and that answer is a testament to how much you've worked on and i i we want to ask you about some of your video flavor uh but before we do that i gotta ask you since we're talking about the production that you do you must be aware of the the kuma for the sixth movement are you yeah (laughs) okay i think i think it's a great idea but i think it's selfish for me to want to do all of it i think what it started off with was like i just wanted to be involved right but I don't think it's fair to say, I don't think it's fair for me to do the whole record. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just too much flavor in the Juggalo world. And it's not fair to like Mike and Mike and Devereaux and Shaggy there had uh, to say, oh, Kuma's going to do all that. You know, there is something to be said about one producer doing a whole record because of consistency. But I mean, the sixth is like, it's like a magic record, you know? I don't know what the concept is, so don't ask me yet. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think it's, I think I would, I want to be a part of it. So Kuma for the six in that regard. Okay, that's what's up. One sixth of the six. Yeah, (laughs) that would be cool. That That would would be be fresh, man. That's tight. can we talk about the, your escape driver project with Johnny Fate and like that status of that? Unless that's secret. No, no, that's cool. Um, <laughs> so Johnny Fate went back to college. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so he actually pursued a video degree, like video oh. production, um, and uh, he's he's talented. He's a talented musician. You guys have seen it. Um, great person to work with, and. Uh, excellent guitarist and he got really heavily interested in video production when we started doing stuff together and like his day job and it's just all kind of like snowballed and he uh recently won an award like he he got married he he filmed his wife who's like a figure skater 
and uh, won an award for like this little documentary he did. So he's been busy, you know, yeah. and like I haven't put any sort of pressure on him. Um, but we have like nine tracks done and we're missing like two. I, I want to do 10, but I want to do like a bonus thing. And uh, it's been like it's been a process to try because I wanted to have the follow up record come out last year for for the uh, No Fate album. But I can't, you know, things happen, world happens, people have adult lives, you know, and, and careers and things they want to pursue. So I didn't want to put too much pressure on them. But um, we're going to be working this summer and I hope to finalize that. And I'm looking at fall no matter yep. what. Oh, this soon. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'd like, I'd like to put it out in fall because I think that would be a good, it would be a good fall record. So. That's something to look forward to. <laughs> it's awesome. That, all this all this exclusive news we're getting. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, man. And I guess getting into the video stuff a bit more, like before we ask specifics about that, do you really consider yourself primarily like one over the other, like a video guy or a musician first? Um, do I consider myself a video guy or a musician first? Probably a music producer. Okay. I think. Cool. I just, my passion lies more into the music thing. I think the video thing is just kind of followed mm, that. Cool. And <clears throat> I just started fucking around with Premiere when I was young, like a cracked version of Premiere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before you had any sort of money to like buy this shit and just getting, just getting your hands uh, dirty in it. And then dad bought me a computer that, uh, you know, was one of the first Macs I could like capture and like, you would capture like 10 second clips and they would be like 10 frames per second and it looked like crap but like you could take those clips and edit <clears throat> and uh we were big into like backyard wrestling so we used to make like music videos for a fucking wrestling little wrestling promotion and uh yeah so it just all <laughs> it just all went crazy from there and you know and all the and I don't know, like music, obviously, like when you do music, you're going to do music videos and music or video projects. So I just kind of all have the synergy, but you know, with, with that skill and it was one of the coolest things to, to learn in high school and the most fun and, you know, it's better than fucking math for me personally, <laughs> but I like math too, but it was better, like more creative, um, so I guess that's how I fell into video production was from the love of wrestling and music. Yeah. It's interesting that you like, don't define yourself in one category and you're able to remix your identity. Speaking of remixes, <laughs> we wanted to talk about the, the Wraith remix albums and like how you got from the AMB project to that in such a quick period of time. Like what's the backstory? Okay. So when I came to psychopathic, um, I actually started on the Shaggy Two Dope uh, project with Fritz, which was fuck the FTFO? fuck off. FTFO. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I wasn't credited on it because I was learning. <laughs> they were training me. Uh, the whole story of working, I guess, it just goes back to I found the job posting on Craigslist. <laughs> wow, that's dope. Yeah. So, and it was like a hidden job posting and I wasn't really looking for a job at the time. I was like DJing and sort of traveling the world and, you know, going to a community college and trying to, you know, figure out what the fuck I wanted to do. And my dad sent me 
the listing to Craigslist and he's like, Hey, check this out. You know, this looks like a good job. It's a video job. So I applied and they called me and they're like, would you like to come to psychopathic records office? And I was like, psychopathic records. What the fuck is that? I, and I was like, what is that? I know that, you know, and I looked it up and I was like, Oh my God, it's ICP. <laughs> so I went over there and, um, they were like showing me around and I met with Nathan, uh, extra and Tom Lundberg, Tom two, we call them. And I met, um, Alex and had my interview and Alex was looking at my resume. He's like, all right, man. Uh, I see that. I see that, uh, you do music too. And you like wrestling. That's pretty cool. And we saw your demo reel and there's wrestling on it. That's really cool. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> You're hired. Like, is it so like, they called me after I left and they were like, you didn't get the job for video. However, would you like to come train to be a studio engineer? And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like I've never been a studio engineer. Um, I've never, we'd like to try you out for it, but we'd also like to like have you do video projects too, if you get the job. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I, I can check it out. You know, <laughs> no, I had no fucking clue what I was walking into, you know? <laughs> So they brought me in. It was like Christmas. Uh, it was December, right after Christmas. And um, I met Fritz and Fritz showed me Pro Tools. And it was really similar to a lot of different DAWs like Logic and Ableton and stuff I've used, but definitely had some differences. He showed me how to record and edit and uh, took me under his wing. And I, I was real serious about it. I took notes. If you listen, if you ever fucking want to learn something, man, bring a notepad. Yeah. People have lost the art of notepads and pens. <laughs> but just writing it down and writing it again, that really helped me out. And and, sh uh, and showing them you're serious, right? You're like, yeah. this is valuable information. Yeah. Yep. And Lavelle was there, who was their other engineer at the time. You know, he obviously was in. Uh, one of the, the super groups at Psychopathic, uh, or what was it like? Uh, the super villains, yeah. yeah super villains, yeah. I did right. not know he was an engineer though. I, yeah, my wig is flipped. Okay, he was cool. a full time engineer for them. Interesting. We always wonder about more about his story. That's interesting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's tight. I guess he went on to become a preacher. Or something I, like that. Yeah, I, I remember ABK mentioning that on like a YouTube stream, which is so cool. And I knew he was a dope rapper. I had no idea he was anywhere behind the scenes with music. Yeah, he was a real nice guy. He was he was always cool. He was pretty professional with me for coming in and taking his job. He just wanted to get out and do like the church thing, which Word. that's cool. So you've I'm, seen that transition happen. A, yeah, right before music. my very eyes. I didn't realize how much, how involved he was, you know. But he was a really nice guy. He trained me up. Fritz was awesome. You know, Fritz still does stuff for Magic Ninja. And, like, I fucking love Fritz. I don't talk to him too much anymore. But, you know, I love him for giving me that shot. And I trained two weeks. We worked on Fuck the Fuck Off and did different tracks and recordings and production and adding stuff to the tracks and for two weeks at night. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then they offered me the gig. And they were like, yeah, you could do this for sure. And uh, um, I started off, the first record we did was, it was actually 
uh, Boondocks' The Harvest mm-hmm. and Axe Murder Boys' Blood In, Blood Out at the same time. So, cool. wow. Um, Joe really. So you're liked... responsible for two new acts at the same time, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. It was overwhelming. I was like, holy shit, dude, you know? So I was definitely getting the gist of everything and, you know, the personalities and learning it all on the fly. And uh, School Hard Knocks, baby. It was really, really like a whole new world um, for me and being younger and learning how to navigate this um, was challenging, but very uh, obviously rewarding because look where, where I'm at today. I'm able to talk about it. You know, I have a story. It's cool. You know, so there's the legacy part of it, I suppose. But, um, you know, the challenge was just um, freaking learning it all <laughs> and being thrown right into the fire. And, uh, you know, I got to credit Joe, man. He get, he took a giant chance on someone new. He wanted someone new. He didn't want someone, you know, he didn't want someone to overstep him in a mm. sense, I think. And I'm not saying that anybody else did, but I understood what he wanted, you know, right away. He never told me that personally, mm-hmm. but I knew that he wanted someone that could, you know, get the job done and do do the work. And I kind of a to team be, player, would you say? Team player, but kept, you know, was respectful and kept their mouth mm. shut. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but I mean, obviously, like, I was, I learned that I needed to say stuff because I didn't want the product to suffer either. You know, I wanted mm. to make sure that we're, they could trust me in my ear and my abilities. So it was definitely a, uh, it was a good working relationship over time. And they really took to me and I took to them. You know, I've heard people talk about how that era of psychopathic was kind of like the universal monster movies era where like they'd have, here's black creature from black lagoon. Here's Frankenstein, like creating these backstories of these characters that they knew were going to have longevity to make that work. It, it sounds like they didn't want some like jaded hipster person being like, Oh, well this isn't Chuck D 1987 hip hop. This isn't legit. Like being able to go with them to help build these stories. Do you mm-hmm. feel like, like that metaphor is apt and what's it like being with like these really big personalities and having to be like your vocal timings off, bro. Like, yeah. Oh, Two questions. <laughs> Holy shit. That's a hard question with the monster movie, uh, comparison. Yes. I mean, I definitely think like you can only make Friday the 13th part one, one time. Right. <laughs> and yeah. with, Violent J, he is a fucking, you know, he's a brainiac. He's 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 a thinker. He's a creative. He wants to do new shit all the time. He wants to keep continuing to push his sound and push himself and do different things. And he can only write the fucking riddle box and Great Malenko once, because it will never happen again. Because it will be boring if it's the same shit. Right. And so he wanted fresh blood and he got it with me and he still gets it with with new people. And I respect that from him. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I do have that tendency to say, Hey, you sound like 
do it like in a Malenko kind of voice, you know, like I had a panic or whatever, you know, like yeah. he does that, that grit thing. So mm-hmm. he can still channel that stuff here and there, but you still have, you know, with mixed with some of that new school flavor or new school beats. And um, yeah, would I like to hear some old school shit once in a while? Of course, everybody does, but it's really hard to capture that time period. So it's, it's, and it's going to be hard to capture the Tempest again, in my opinion, it's going to be hard to capture bang, pow, boom again. It's just going to be, it's like lightning in a bottle, trying grabbing it out of thin air. And, and we're just, he's going to keep making new music and me too. You don't want to repeat yeah. yourself in this game. So navigating, uh, working with personalities and egos, sometimes, um, you gotta, you gotta compromise. You, I think the best way to do it is to actually say, Hey, let's try it both ways. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. try it your way and we'll put it on this track and then let's try it like a little bit different like this and let's see what sounds better and see what the room's feeling. Like what's the vibe of the room with everybody in there, you know? So it's like psychology one-on-one, I suppose. Like, and it's just being having a positive attitude, yeah. you know, but there's been times where I've gotten into not fights, but I've, I've been in studio where it's like, holy shit, like there's no compromise. Like this person's out of their fucking mind and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not saying it was anybody at psychopathic. It could have been it or any of that it could have been somebody outside, but there's just nothing you can do. And you just bite, mm-hmm. grit your teeth and, and do it. But yes, I think, if you're positive and um, you can compromise, they can compromise. That's cool. But at the end of the day, you also have to realize as an engineer, you're there because they want you there and they're paying you to do their job. So they ultimately have the final say. Right. That kind of makes me wonder as someone who has done stuff like your projects where, you know, you're like the, the main source of, of the, all of its uh, creativity. Do you find that it's hard to be that kind of filter, that producer role uh, on yourself to be critical from an outsider perspective, or maybe doing that for other people helps you do it for yourself. What's that kind of like, as opposed to producing for someone? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think being in the main role of being a producer is always going to be a challenge for me personally. I guess I'm like, I try to just go with my gut instinct at first and not change it too much. I always look at it like the, uh, the story of, uh, what was it? Uh, Billy Jean. They had, mm-hmm. they did like 30 fucking mixes of Billy Jean. And then they went back to the first mix. Right. <laughs> they got it right the first time. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes capturing lightning in a bottle the very first time is, is the way to go. However, um, you know, I'm not opposed to making changes, but sometimes I have to put my foot down <laughs> no, no, no. with myself, my, my teammates and the people I work for. I'm like, okay, that's out of key. We gotta, we gotta fix that. Right. That's a hard, that's a hard, um, skill to learn to be diplomatic about that stuff. Right. Because ultimately your name's on it and people, your brand is because you have a consistency with quality. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think it's very challenging, but also I guess I'm trying to make it as organic as possible with the with the take, the recording and the music and um make it as natural as possible without editing too much. Sometimes I don't like all the hyper editing with music and and takes, you know. So I I say stuff about that. I'm like there's too many takes. You know, yeah. there's too much punching in. I do say that, you know, because I want it raw. I want most mm -hmm. of it raw. But, you know, I, there is compromise, you know, because at the end of the day, like I said, with certain clients, I'm it doesn't. I'm not necessarily referring to people. It's psychopathic again. It's just it's a job, and you gotta grit your teeth and say, okay, no problem. You know, let's let's give you what you want because that's what's gonna ultimately make someone happy. That is a cool perspective. And like, we've never had a producer like be able to talk about the intricacies of, of like the studio dynamics and the politics of doing other takes. And like, speaking of other takes, like on the Wraith remix, you've got, there's extra stuff. Like there's mm -hmm. an extra verse on welcome to the show. Yep. How much of that did, did you track or how much of that was like, came to you and you're like, oh, let's use this. It was there. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So wow. that record was challenging because when I got there, like, you know, at the time, Mike P was gone, Lavelle was gone, leaving, or or no, he was gone at that point. Uh, Fritz was kind of there in and out. Um, so I was getting the sessions together for everybody to remix. And uh, I was somewhat familiar with the record from doing show tapes, but I wasn't like completely familiar with everything on that record. So it was a bit challenging uh getting it together and some sessions we didn't have so i think a couple tracks didn't get remixed from what right I which was you know we were we were bumming about it <laughs> what could we do we couldn't find the fucking files you know the organization was a fucking catastrophic <laughs> you know um but as far as welcome to the show goes i just i grabbed the last session that was there and it had that extra verse and people pointed it out to me as, as my career progressed. And I was like, shit, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I was that's so funny, fucking man. oblivious. That's wild. You know, which that's what I like cool. you, right? With, the fresh perspective. Yeah. Which yeah. was kind of cool because I just did a remix of a song that I, you know, I knew I had listened to the original, but I didn't recognize that there was an extra freaking verse, but I thought it, you know, you know, you just got to play it off and say, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, for real, I, I was like super oblivious for a minute on that. <laughs> but, you know, That's... Joe Joe checked all this, all the remixes out and he liked everything and approved everything. And if he didn't like something, it wasn't going on the record. So, you know, mm. so he approved it. And yeah, that's, that's awesome. so cool to hear, Kuma, man. That's that's a trip. And it makes sense with the Wraith Shangri-La, too, that there would be leftover material because, like, it's such a condensed album. There's so many short songs. There's, like, songs that are on the tail end of other tracks and stuff. So if there's any album that I'd imagine to have, like, cut verses and stuff, it would, it would be that one. But, like, it's and crazy. And I'm, sure I'm pretty sure there's more than that. There's, like, alternate versions of Blam I've heard. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different oh, lyrics, dude. but I don't know if they'll ever, ever see the light of day. But if I think if this interview gets gets into Violent Jay's ear hole, 
You <laughs> might want to go searching for that someday. Man, well, yeah, because <laughs> like cool, the Hell, Hell's Cellar, there there could be, um, you know, a, a Shangri-La version of that where it's like outtakes. That'd be so fresh. Yeah, yeah. There were some cool outtakes from Hell's, from Hell's Pit I found, you know, yeah. digging through those files, you know, and that's where we saved save things so that was cool you know here is a really nerdy ass question we've never asked anyone did they like so when you're working with them do they back it up on like 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 external drives or do they keep stuff on the cloud or like what is is there a system for archiving or is that secret <laughs> dude am i going to tell you everything no 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 um so as engineer as a producer engineer we we have the illustrious uh privilege of being data management <laughs> you know so yeah yeah so we do do time machine on the mac and then we also do backups on bare bone hard drives and then um you know i want i've been pushing to try to catalog everything uh and it somewhat has come together but i'm not there all the damn time and it's a big job so i think someday when you know when we're done being creatives and it's archive time we'll invest in like more like network attached storage synologies you know 10 gigabyte ethernet but for the most part like we keep it pretty simple because we're moving so quick but i think we'll we're moving in a better in better directions because i'd love to i'd love to have certain things come out in the future that's awesome and the fact that like the different versions of the softwares will change and everything like having it backed up your job then like being giving birth to these albums is also labeling them and keeping the chaos to a minimum which you're you're probably balancing a bunch of plates you know it so is a lot of organization i mean like for yeah. example i'm working on a record right now i'm not going to tell you what it is but oh um, shoot is it psychopathic? Can you tell us that? I don't know, man. I just work here. I just work here. Um, and uh, it's a good one, too. Uh, anyways, uh, you know, I'm not there full time as a engineer as much as I was a few years back. Um, but I still come in and do stuff. But it, you know files get spread apart so you like in pro tools you got to make sure things are organized so today i spent some time organizing what's happening right now and it is it's part of the job man it's part of the gig is being organized and you know making sure that your clients can find what they need when you're not there too because mm. so a lot of clients or creatives like to work at three in the morning Right, man. And especially too, it's good to know where everything is for because I mean, psychopathic is has so much has such longevity that they're having all these 20th and soon there's going to be a lot of 25th anniversaries. So oh, yeah. it's good to be able to get access to that. And it's so crazy because like, I know and me and Lara's always talk about how so much of um, ICP's work is overlooked by the outside world. I know they have a lot of staying power in pop culture, but there's so many like deep cuts that it was like, if it was any other band, I feel like this song would be huge, you know? Mm -hmm. And the production is a huge reason of that. Like Mikey Clark and uh, Mike P, uh, Kuma, and as far as like the newer stuff, Devereaux Shaggy the Airhead, like we're lucky that you guys lend us your music of, of musical abilities because it's on par 
with anything else. And that's another reason why, like I came in, or I'm trying to always stay humble about this shit because, you know, I can never fill Mikey Clark's shoes, to be honest with you. Like I can never do that. Like, oh man, he's a le legend, you know? And I'm well, not, I'm the, I'll admit it. I can never do what Mike P does. I can't do what Jeff Devereaux. But Mike Shane. P and Mikey Clark can't do what Kuma does either. That's what's exactly. about art, so you know? That's the cool thing about Psychopathic is when we come together as a team, like we're fucking unstoppable in my opinion. I got to give shout outs to Fritz, Eric Davey, and Straight Jacket, like all those guys. There's even more I'm forgetting about and sorry about that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that have come and gone but still are here and uh you know it's all a part of the legacy of of uh, even Isham's made beats you know and, and Shaggy Too Dope mm -hmm. um, so I mean we're all trying to build the best uh the best catalog for for the fan base you know we appreciate all this um insight we definitely ran the gamut on from technical to spiritual to to production techniques to all this it's like a, it's been a really special interview man like i uh really value your time thank you for coming on and where can juggalos and other fans keep up to date with stuff you're working on yeah absolutely so we didn't really touch base upon uh the techno and house stuff i do uh which is my other name uh brian cage with a k it's pronounced kage um <clears throat> but you can go to briancage.com you can find all my music i still press vinyl uh it's more dance music electronic um, that's on um michigander right is that the yeah. michigander flavor that's my label yep michigander cool and, uh, i'm still pressing records i'm playing the uh the detroit electronic music festival this year down in heart plaza so if you're in town come Tell on you. down that's dope yeah, so Unreal. I think that's the best way to find me, and then you can obviously find me on Instagram with that name. But the Kuma, um, Kuma's uh, pseudonym was designed to be like a secret little bear just making right. some hot fire in a cave. I never thought it would be like <laughs> like this, you know? Right. And I didn't want to do it under like my original nickname, which was Cage or Kage, because I wanted it to represent a different sound so it's brian kuma versus brian mm -hmm. kage where it's kuma's the more hip-hop and you know rocking rocking shit you know versus but it all goes hand in hand at this point yeah man and dude what better way to kind of encapsulate who you are you know because that like you're just a multi-talented multi-faceted ninja and it's been an unbelievable honor to have you on hatchet chat dude Thank you for all the flavor, video, music, everything else. And we cannot wait to see what else you got for us, brother. Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, th thank you, Kuma. We'll talk to you later and um, we hope you have a good night. All right. Yeah, you too, man. You guys take care and uh, boop boop.